Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Robert Thomas Daniel and we're here to talk about React Native and go on and do a little bit of a deep dive. But before we actually go into the topics a little bit further, let's do a round of introductions. Robert, please introduce yourself. Right, so I'm uh, coming from uh, a background of uh, cross-platform uh, development all the way since uh, I started looking at like Sabrin and Soundgap back in the day and uh, basically now ended up with uh, working with uh, React Native uh, which is my favorite go-to uh, technology for uh, cross-platform development now. Uh, I'm uh, the owner of uh, the app development agency uh, Kingston and I'm also tech lead at the uh, at SmartRest, uh, where we're building building apps in different uh, constellations. Okay, nice. I was going to say, it's glad to hear that React Native is, is your favorite language to use. Otherwise, we'd be quite concerned why you're on this podcast. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for the introduction. Uh, Thomas, we'll come to you next. Yes, so uh, my name is Thomas, and I'm a front-end developer working at a company called Cred. It's a fintech company turned, recently turned bank in Sweden. Uh, devoted to improving the banking experience for small businesses. So I'm part of the team that develops our mobile app that is built and maintained in React Native. And I've been a developer for the last three and a half years and mainly focused on React Native. It's also my favorite kind of framework and wouldn't want to develop any apps without it. Okay, nice. Thank you for that introduction. And last but no means least, Daniel, over to you. Thank you. Yep, so... uh... Originally, I guess you start from England, from Manchester. Probably you can tell by the accent. Um, Yes, so I have been a React Native developer for about five years now. Uh, React to React Native. Uh, When I originally moved into development five years ago, it was uh, web-based stuff, React, but I always wanted to get into more mobile development, which led me, of course, nicely onto React Native, um, which I have to say has become my uh, technology of choice now for even web-based applications. If there's a you know, a slight chance we're, we're going to do an app as well. Um, and yeah, I work with uh, startups and enterprise clients with with React Native. Um, I currently consult for an enterprise client here based in Stockholm um, and also some, some startups uh, 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 also. So yeah, it's a very, very strong React Native scene uh, in Scandinavia. And it's, it's really fun to be part of people who are also excited about the, the same kind of technologies. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Awesome. Okay, thank you very much, Daniel. Now... That's the introductions. What we're actually going to dive into is a little bit of everything to do with React Native. So it could be Expo versus React Native, Flutter versus React Native, 
React versus React Native. There's a lot of versing React Natives here. And we'll finish off with React Native versus the Titan Native. So that is going to be a very interesting discussion. What we'll do to start off nice and lightly, let's go through Expo versus React Native. Who would like to kick this off? Um, I can start with a short introduction of it. Um, Expo is like a framework that uh, in, sits on top of React Native CLI. And uh, when I started like doing React Native development like three and a half years ago, like uh, Expo was like the most simplest form of developing React Native. And for any complex applications, you had to like use use React Native CLI. But I think now it has matured a lot since then. And I'd say it's like the go-to way to develop in React Native right now is to use Expo. Mm, I, I'd agree with that. I think you look at, um, if you speak to anyone that's been doing React Native for a long time, um, and they've not really kept up with the current conventions, what's what's the best thing to do in terms of starting a new project now in React Native, they'll tell you to stay away from Expo because it's difficult, it's clunky, it's it's hard to maintain. When you get issues, you have to reject the whole thing and it ends up in a mess. Um, but the reality is Expo has come so far in the last couple of years with the people they've hired, the, the, the amount of releases they do, the features that it would be, you'd be remiss, remiss to work uh, to not do a new project in Expo now. And like even and the clients I currently work with, they're at the point where they've they started a bearing at native build and it's probably going up three, four, five years old now. Um a couple of clients and they due to the how much the native code changes outside of the JavaScript shell in, in React Native versions, you've got this issue where you you end up in a corner where you can't really upgrade your React Native project anymore. Uh, because there's so many dependencies and there's lots of legacy code in there and you're you're just struggling with getting out of like you know specific versions which are quite difficult to, to move move on from and if you use Expo as a my service it's just so much easier to do that because they handle all that native shell for you so like it just everyone that I know that I'm working with right now who are thinking about changing their build or upgrading every native um, version they're all saying, okay, let's change the Expo at the same time, which is quite an interesting turn of events compared to a couple of years ago where you would never have got that. Yeah, yeah, and I think like the development experience you get with the Expo these days is like, it's like a different level. You can keep, well, now that you can keep everything in Expo, you basically keep it as simple as you would work, as if you're working with like a web application. You basically strip away all the, native complexity and can handle that on the side uh, when you're and like keeping your core uh, core logic only in JavaScript. So it's very easy to iterate on and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like upgrade uh, projects from version to version. It's just amazing. Mm. It's a really good time to be a React Native developer, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I I agree completely. It's like it's it's so much easier to maintain the de the development experience when using Expo is much more in line with what you would expect from a web development perspective. Whereas you just run run your environment and off you go, um, and then you've also got the the uh, the option of three different platforms to develop for with ease, um, without all the messing around with the native files and and the, the, all the issues that come with that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the the only thing that might uh, uh, be a reason to use the RM CLI today would probably be like 
things like uh, Microsoft and Facebook are doing, uh, where they basically have a native app and they just put uh, like React Native parts into uh, into their native apps. Like for example, Microsoft uses it for certain parts of Microsoft Office. Mm. Um, like I think even in the start menu in Windows these days. So yeah, in these that. cases, yeah. then then you need like the deeper native integration. But ah. if you're starting a fresh product, there's really there's no reason to not go for XY, I think. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I regarding Red Native as well, I'm pretty sure at, at Microsoft use it for their Xbox store. And they also yeah. and Sony Sony also used it for their PlayStation store, which is uh, interesting. It's amazing. And it's also nice that Microsoft is like one of the biggest contributors to the open source, all, all the mm. like community packages and everything. And like they have like a whole division just working with React Native open source. Mm. And I think that's quite amazing for the for the framework. Yeah, who'd have thought it? Microsoft and Facebook coming together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. What advice would you give to say a person moving over from say from React or even from Native that is going to start using React Native, what advice would you give them around Expo? I would say that it's, if you're going to use it, first that if you're moving from React to React Native, then definitely use Expo to minimize that, that interaction you will have with the native shell, which really isn't necessary for anyone that's probably starting the project now. Um, unless you're doing something super niche or you're maybe doing a banking app with some description, you're probably not going to touch the native files at all. And the Expo managed community now is so um, robust that most of the stuff you need is is, is ready to go out the box um, in the form of packages, maintain packages at that as well. Um, but the the syntax is probably 70% the same from React to React Native. It's the same principles. It's the same structure. You've just got different things. Instead of a div, you've got views. Instead of um pixels you've just got uh, integers like it's it's very much the same principles across the board um just on uh smaller screens and different standards of course i don't know anyone else uh have any opinion on that uh, yeah i think it's like if you have like a react experience it's going to be quite easy to transition to react native but you'll find out soon that you have like quirks when it comes to like native development in with mobile apps like something some things differ from um web to mobile and such. But you'll learn those along the way and I think just just have fun with it. Maybe even if especially if you know React from before. Yeah. 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 I mean you you have like the whole ecosystem you're used to with the the packages, the way you work with things in in React and you can just keep on using them. So I think it's 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 probably very easy to do that transition. We've had uh, we've had a few interns coming in uh, that have only been exposed to uh, React from before, and they picked up React Native like in a matter of days. Yeah, same. Um, yes, because we're yeah, keeping same. it simple with with Expo. So I think it's it, it's probably a very smooth transitions for uh, for most most developers coming from React. Yeah, it's also like if you hire like a full stack developer, you can have him work, have him or her work on both web and mobile, uh, even just from knowing React. So it's really beneficial that way. Yeah, for a company, it makes some. If you've already got a React web based team, like it makes so much sense to 
just build your own apps in React Native if you if you want to go that way because you've got that resource there already. It's it's such a so much more cost effective than going native, for example. I think that the only thing with that, is, or the only good thing about that, is with native you're going to create two applications instead of just one application, yeah, exactly. which causes yeah. even a lot more cost. Yeah, double the teams, double the amount of work. Okay, nice. Well, we're on this topic anyway, versus React, versus React Native or React Native Web. Are there any more comments around this you want to dive into? Sorry, what was that? React Native, React Native Web. Yeah. React Native Civil Eye, Expo. Um, React versus React Native versus React Native Web. Um, I find, personally, React Native a much more pleasant experience building for the web then I find React. Um, I recently did a uh, an application for a client who want who has a React Native application, and they uh, they wanted to pull out uh, like a, a, a web form flow from from the React Native app and make it web based. And it, and they tried to do it in house with uh, in React, and it, it ended up being a mess um, simply because they didn't have the the resources there to do that. Um, someone basically did it as a hobby project, and so in the end, they, they what made sense to do was just do it in React Native. And I, I uh, when I built it, it was it was just so easy just to just to pick out the parts we needed, reuse them, and it you know it just works great. It just worked really well, and the, I didn't have to worry about things like you know your not like so much the breakpoints and stuff within your, your different sizes of screens, your media breakpoints, and I didn't have to worry about things about you know doing. Um, different styling for when you focus on a button or when you hover over a button or when you press a button all that's handled by react native so as soon as you move the cursor over the button turns into a uh, you know a hand pointer and when you press it it does a touch more passive thing where it blinks and like if you're doing that react you've got to write the styles for and it just takes time it's just you know it's just effort um so it's like little things like that it's just quality of life that feel really nice um with react native just it feels like it really does save save you quite a lot of time in those instances. Okay, nice. Robert, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, it just reminded me, I think the Twitter web app actually is built with uh, uh, React Native, uh, which is kind of interesting because I think their native apps, their mobile apps are not. So they actually decided to, uh, even though it's only for the web, they still decided to go with the uh, React Native for, I guess, for mu- much for this reason. Uh, so I think it's, uh, it, I, I think it's very, I mean, it's very mature in that way uh, uh, for the web, and it's very, very easy to get started with uh, when it comes to just bootstrapping an expo project, and you have all the platforms just to, uh, just ready to go, basically. And I think one of the strong things is that you're not make you, you don't have to make the decision early on. Maybe uh, you're starting out uh, by building a web application, uh, but after a while you realize, ah, oh, maybe we uh, want to make this into a mobile application. Uh, then you already have the code base ready to go uh, if you're using Expo and React Native uh, out of the box. So it's so much easier, and I think for cases like maybe you want to implement the design system for uh, that you re- where you easily reuse com- uh, components, 
from project to project, uh, especially in the, inside the bigger company. That would be so much easier if uh, if you use React Native uh, constructs, which which are essentially universal, uh, as opposed to building something for native, uh, maybe both iOS and Android, and then you have to implement it on the web as well. Here you just start out with uh, uh, with Expo, and you can reuse exactly the same uh, the, the same uh, components all the way through. Okay, okay, cool. And Thomas, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? You've been quite quiet in the corner there. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I agree with what has been said. And it's like, it's amazing to think that you can have one code base covering like uh, Android, iOS, and web, but you can also have Mac OS and the Windows applications as well through the same code base. And I think that's just in, simply incredible. And uh, if I were to start like, start like a hobby project or like uh, something, uh, like a project, and I, I would probably go with React Native for the web as well. And just as Robert said, just you start out with one platform, then you just uh, adapt to the other ones and have the same code base. And I, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, I can't imagine a reason why I would go with regular React if you're going to do a mobile apps as well. Okay, okay. So by the sounds of it, you, you're all very loving of React Native. I want to turn the things around here and go a bit off script and say, what are the pros, or sorry, what are the cons of React Native? What are the issues that you can see at the moment in time? I'll leave that one to the floor to answer. <laughs> I think I'll quickly give a quick answer. Uh, I think if you're not using something like Expo, you can find yourself, if you're using React Native CLI, you can find yourself quickly out of date with the current versions of React. And some of the versions are quite big jumps in terms of the way React works. That's um, how React Native works, um, like in the native shell. So you end up in a situation where if you're on a certain version, once it goes past that, it's a big effort to upgrade your current version and get access to one of the latest and greatest things that React Native offers. And then if it goes any further past that and you've not managed to, to wrangle control, you're, you're lost. You're, you're in the wilderness where it's going to take a big effort to, to get you to the latest version. Um, and if you read anywhere online um, to, to sort of gather what you should do in this situation, the, the advice is always just rebuild it. Don't, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother yeah. messing with the native <laughs> files. Don't try and you know upgrade it manually. You, you best off just start it again. And that is obviously it's, it's quite a kick in the teeth for a lot of companies who you know maybe start especially who like put all their stock in and got native CLI five years ago. Is that okay? <laughs> what do we do? You know now we're kicked off the app store because we're, our greater versions are out of date with the, what Google is asking. Um, and you know we can't push another version because the, the, we can't build it anymore. And you get you can get at a really messy environment, a developer environment area if you don't maintain it. And it's not always easy to maintain React Native if, you've, if you're a small company or, you don't, or your team don't stick around for a long period of time. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest flaws. Um, again, but that's only React CLI, I would, which is why I would push Expo. Yeah, I can agree on that. And also, like, um, one corner of React Native is like when you... When uh, when Apple like sends out the uh, updates for like Xcode and then it could take and it breaks like your whole uh, Coca Pods and your whole uh, 
Mexico Simulator, then you have to wait for a few weeks for the uh, Meta team at Facebook to to release uh, like an update or patch for that, and that that is like that is a con compared to like developing in native because the native then you always have like the latest updates. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sorry for for those that don't know, if you're not using Xbox and using React Native CLI, you're really dependent on Xcode and dependent on Android Studio yeah. to build your versions. So you've got this extra added layer of um, complexity. So that it, like like uh, Thomas said, if Apple decides to push out a new ver- a new Mac OS and a new Xcode version, and your React Native version is so far behind, like good luck. You're, you're dependent on the you depend on the community then um, patching this, you know. And it always takes them a couple of weeks, so you end up in a situation where packages are not building and everything's breaking. It, it's it's difficult. Yeah, on, and, and, and another thing uh, that I think is uh, kind of a two-sided thing with React Native, uh, it's both good and bad, depending on how you see it, is that you're actually working with native components all the time. Uh, I know we're going to talk about Flutter later, but just to mention Flutter, uh, to uh, uh, as a comparison here, with the, uh, React Native, you're actually... Uh, working with native components all the time. So let's say you have a native dropdown on iOS and a native uh, dropdown on uh, Android. Uh, in many cases, this is what you want because you get like the actual native components uh, that you're working with. Uh, but the thing is that they are still different on the different platforms, uh, which essentially means you have to test uh, that it works on all screen sizes and all all the different aspects of uh, UI testing to see that it actually works good on all the platforms. So this is kind of a pro and a con. Uh, just to compare it with Flutter, uh, we have one uh, project that we took over that is uh, in Flutter. I would choose React Native every day of the week, uh, but this is one of the things that it's a little bit decided. Uh, in in Flutter, you basically render everything on the canvas. Uh, you're not using any React native uh, React. Uh, you're not using any native components whatsoever. Uh, but it's all uh, rendered on the canvas instead, which essentially means that uh, you need to recreate all the different components and make them feel as native from the bottom up. Whereas in React Native. Uh, you can use the uh, use the actual native components as they were designed by uh, Apple and Android. Uh, I, I think it's more on the pro side, but it's still one of these things you have to uh, take into consideration. It, it is something you have to uh, test before putting the apps out there, see that everything actually is 100% as you would like on, on all the different platforms. Yeah, check boxes are a big one. I've never done a, a, You have to do two sets of styles for checkbox, basically, because they yeah. work so different on the Android and iOS. Uh, they like they work on one dollar and the other one, so you've got to do a condition to to you know, which React Native handles really well. But yeah, definitely you, you need to be caught. Uh, you need to know that the which things need two separate versions. Cool. Well, Robert, since you brought up Flutter, let's go into a bit more detail versus React Native versus Flutter and see, or even other cross-platform languages and see how React Native 
could argue he's going to be king or is or, or not. <laughs> so again, I'll leave this one to the floor. Yeah, I think the... I, I mean, the, the main difference uh, with Flutter is just this thing with the, the canvas part. And this has uh, previously... Uh, previously, there was no way to do a similar thing in React Native. But now you actually have this really cool library called React Native Skia, which mm. essentially takes the same uh, the same graphics engine that Flutter uses to do uh, to do this canvas, which it which it uh, uses for everything basically. And now you can actually use it and do some super cool stuff in uh, React Native with it. So it's excellent for. Um, when you want to do really cool graphic effects and stuff uh, in your app, it's uh, perfect. Um, I can just uh, recommend uh, this uh, really cool YouTube channel uh, called Can It Be Done in React Native uh, by William uh, Candil. Uh, it's, uh, it takes up a lot of these uh, really cool examples and goes through step-by-step step how to uh, do it with, uh, in many cases, React Native Skia uh, and uh, some other really cool libraries there. And maybe uh, since we're talking about other uh, kinds of uh, uh, cross-platform uh, solutions, uh, one of the big things that came around pretty early uh, for cross-platform was uh, things like PhoneGap. Uh, and what you ex essentially do there is that you put the web application, uh, pure HTML, CSS, and you put it inside a container, which is a native app. Um, and uh, this, basically what it does is you, you'll never be able to achieve the same performance as you do with a framework such as uh, Flutter and React Native. Uh, but uh, you still get a lot of the advantages, I guess. Uh, you can reuse the same code base across all the platforms, and uh, you can use it to also um, access native APIs, even though I think it's probably a little bit harder than it is with React Native these days. But you can basically tap into if there are certain native APIs you uh, need for your app. Um, Electron is another example of a similar one, which is aimed more for uh, desktop applications. Uh, so I guess that's, uh, that these are like the two main categories of, uh, uh, of cross-platform apps. You have like the web view based, and then you have the ones that uh, actually renders some kind of native UI like uh, React Native and Flutter. Okay, nice, nice. Thomas, what are your thoughts on the, the cross-platform languages? Yeah, for me, I would, I would always go with React Native compared to because compared to all of the other ones, it's like the the community in React Native is so so huge, and you have packages for everything, and there's the people are really like open with what they're building, and you can find guides for almost anything. And uh, maintainers of popular libraries are all often uh, really 
active in replying to issues and uh, pull requests and whatever for the open source projects. And I think I think like the biggest win for me is the the community that it's so so open and so uh, so big. Mm. So I'm I'm right in understanding that um, Flutter is Dart as a language is used, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what what is Dart similar to Java? It wasn't built upon. I think it's kind of similar to Java, yes. Yeah, so, so it's... it's not quite like Web React Native. It's you know JavaScript. Um, you, you you probably got quite a big pool of developers who can easily transition from React to React Native, for example. Whereas Flutter is is a bit more niche, I would say, in terms of developers. I mean, there's lots of Java developers out there, but are any of the front end um, if they're going to transition to Dart? But I'll ask you a question. Um, why would someone decide to choose Flutter over um, React Native, for example? Because there is a uh, uh, Scandinavian Airlines, for example, they they decided to to bin their um, their native app and they decided to rebuild a new app in, in Flutter. Um, is there a reason why they chose that? Is it just what available to them, or is there are they is there something within? booking a flight that is better, quicker, faster, easier on Flutter than it would be, say, React Native? Is it just preference, subjective, or...? Do we question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure why they decided to do it, but I've, I've come across, I mean, it's like this really... I, when I've talked to Flutter developers, it feels like it's really this religious discussion <laughs> where uh, it does where some people just yeah. uh, prefer it, uh, and I I guess one reason is probably uh, I I can see probably one one reason has probably been uh, that they have the, a tighter debugging experience. Mm. So like you could sit in VS Code and you could do step step by step uh, debugging in a very easy way. Uh, where I think uh, React Native is very close on. Uh, bridging that gap right now. It's been uh, a little bit messy up until now. Um, but both both Expo and uh, React Native Core uh, is really catching up there. Hmm. And they basically decided to go on the, like trying to align it with uh, uh, the Chrome debugger, yeah. uh, which is essentially the standard for web development as well. So I think uh, that will probably be a very good way to go because you can do things in the same way that you're used to. There's probably lots of code and plugins that are already written, uh, well tested, uh, and used by many developers. So I, I think that's one one thing. And uh, uh, I guess the, another thing is, I, I guess, yes, does, uh, if you're coming from a React the React background, um, it's very easy to jump into React Native. I guess if you're coming from like a typical backend language like Java or .NET, mm. it's probably feeling more familiar yeah. uh, to jump into a language like Dart. You yeah. feel more familiar yeah, yeah. with it. Absolutely. So I think uh, that I guess those might be reasons to to choose Flutter. But I I just want to. Continue on the thing you said about community there, Thomas, as well. Um, we've noted uh, since we took over this uh, 
uh, Flutter app uh, that we've been uh, keeping up to date. We're we're usually using uh, GraphQL a lot on the backend, and um, when using React and React Native, essentially you can use the same uh, GraphQL libraries on the client, and it's uh, super easy to get started. And you usually you have like five really good libraries to choose between, and uh, when looking at, uh, we, we actually haven't found a single one that's really good for uh, Flutter and Dart so far. And I think that really makes a difference. Like when you have, you, you don't have the same ecosystem uh, as you have from the, uh, the, I mean, basically all React packages is something you can use. Uh, and it's been used for so long and there's so many good and well-maintained products. Uh, packages out there that you can just uh, use straight into React Native. So that's a really strong uh, strong part of it. Yeah, it's like a luxury problem. You have like too many state managers to choose from, as you have too much to choose from, and uh, all, most of them are really efficient and good as well. But I'd rather yeah. have too many to choose from than too few. Definitely. Okay, and one of my questions is going to be, if React Native did not exist, or it, it basically just disappeared tomorrow, what other cross-platform language would you go for? I think I'd try out Flutter, like do a serious attempt at it. Robert? Yeah, I think, I mean, I I don't think I would go for the uh, like wrapped native kind of cross-platform. Uh, so I would probably go for Flutter in that case because it, it's really, it feels like it's really just two, um, two uh, different uh, uh, platforms to choose between there. And it's React Native and Flutter. Or you go the web view path or you go the native path. Realistically, what options are there if you were supposed to cross-platform if React Native didn't exist? What's around... Isn't there like a Kotlin multi-platform? But maybe oh, not, yeah. not, not mature enough, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there'll possibly be more in the, down the pipeline in the future, but um, really your options are probably only alphas at this point in terms of like how mature it is. Um, otherwise, you're going to be in a very experimental area for, for quite a while. Um, but it brings us back to the, to the whole discussion is like, why why choose Flutter over React Native when you know Google have a habit of just going, we're not going to support this anymore, see you later. Like, and that's it, you know, no more support after tomorrow. Um, I'm not saying they do that with, with Flutter, of course, because they seem to be doing, leaning into it quite a lot. But then you're stuck in, the, in this area where, you know, you're a data developer and like, what, what's what let's build with that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> so, uh, if, I mean, if there was, if there was no, no React Native, like, I would just probably go back to web development with React just so I could stay in the JavaScript. Spit. Even though I do really love um, uh, mobile development, but I just I guess I do web development for mobile. It's probably where I'd go um, because I just I don't really trust. I don't really. I would never really want to get myself in a position where I'm pigeonholed and I'm stuck in this very niche area. And if that industry goes away, I'm like, okay, start again. Yeah, good point. Mm. We're bringing up Kotlin multi-platform. It's one of them languages that. 
it came about about two years ago that I came onto my radar and then it seemed to disappear. No one spoke about it. And then all of a sudden, about four months ago, people started talking a lot more about it within the communities. And it, it, by the looks of it, quite a few smaller applications are now using Kotlin multi-platform. And I know I've recently done a podcast on it, not to do any advertising, but it's definitely worth the listening um, to how the, how it mainly Kotlin developers, Android developers are using it. And the, their main issue really is trying to get iOS or convince iOS developers to actually start using it because it is just completely different for them. But that, that lead, leading on really is let's, let's go with React Native versus Native. What, what really are the pros and cons about this? First of all, one team, three, two, three different projects, our products from one platform. Uh, you know, uh, you, you've just got twice the output for one team instead of two, two separate teams, two separate costs, two separate apps. Um, I mean, I think that personally is the biggest draw towards something like this. Yeah, it's easier to maintain, to maintain like a big one code base instead of two different code bases. You can have you can, all, all the developers working on the same exactly. both, for both apps, basically. Exactly. If you've got two teams of two, you can have one team of four, and you can do so much more, so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, if it, I, I guess uh, the, one of the reasons I could potentially see is like if you already have a de- develop, like native development teams, uh, one for Android and one for uh, iOS, and if you keep building on that, uh, it might be uh, it might be uh, a good idea to keep keep going native. But uh, I mean, th- then again, I mean, uh, from what I see, like if you're building an advanced app, you usually end up being able to uh, use React Native for. Um, Maybe like ninety five percent of the stuff, but sometimes you want to bring in something native, so it's still a good idea. Like if you're, especially if you're an app agency and you go building uh, uh, different kinds of apps, it's probably a very good idea to have like a core React native squad of developers, and then you have uh, specialists in uh, uh, in the native sphere as well. Uh, for example, if you want to build a watchOS app, there's still really no way to do that with uh, with React Native. I think that might change, but uh, uh, right now, if you want to do those kinds of extensions, so it's still still a very good idea. I think if you're a, a React Native developer to keep up with the, like the native parts, because that those things will always come up in one way or another, and it will. Uh, it will really enable you to do uh, do extra stuff uh, in, in a in a more flexible way than uh, if you're just doing React Native. So I think the combination is great. The combination is really great. So if you were building an app, um, what kind of application would lock you out of React Native, and you'd have to go native? What kind of features or functionality would you only be able to do in a native application that you couldn't do in React? I, I think like, it's yeah, only I'm like. Not sure if... Oh, you can go ahead. <laughs> uh, it, I, I mentioned it before, but like a watch OS app, for example, uh, there's really no way to do that uh, right now. 
I think it's the same on the Wear OS side as well for Android. Yeah, and also like you accessing uh, Google Pay and Apple Apple Pay, Apple Wallets. Uh, that that has to be done in native because there's no no like up to date React Native packages that support that fully. Mm-hmm. Would you all ever consider native and just go? No, nah, I can't be bothered with cross platform anymore and go. Well, I always say when I talk to native developers, like, would you ever go to the dark side? In a sense, would you ever go to cross platform? <laughs> but I revert the question in a sense, say, would you ever go over to the the, the I won't say dark side, but you know, the the other side in a sense of native. I wouldn't I, because I, I, I feel feel like I, you have to like lock into like I either want to be a, a iOS developer or Android developer, like because I, I don't feel I would be like able to keep up with being. A, both, uh, developing in both platforms simultaneously and being uh, like proficient in it. So that's one of the main reasons I don't want to lock into like one of the ecosystems. I want to be able to develop for both in the, at the same time. Good answer. Really good answer. Robert, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, in most cases, I would definitely uh, go with the expand React Native, but I guess if there was this app that used more than it, like like used a lot of nat- native APIs that aren't available in React Native packages, and it's kind of it would probably be kind of a small app with very special use cases. Uh, or if you're doing uh, something like the WatchOS app is a big part of an application, for example. Those are really the only cases, I think, because you usually have so much uh, both better development experience and uh, can iterate so much faster uh, if you have uh, a React Native as the base. Yeah, I have an unresolved New Year's resolution, which was to build a Swift app. So an iOS, <laughs> iOS app, but I've just never, never got around to it. Um, um, mainly because I don't have a strong desire to build a, an application for for the watch, which is what I would do. I do have a colleague that built. Uh, he was React Native, and he also built a, a Swift app, which is a, a Apple Watch application that helps you with your golf swing. Um, so and he he made it open source, and it's, it's actually quite it's quite good. Um, but yeah, if I had an idea like that, I'd, I'd probably adventure into Swift. Okay, nice. Well, you still got two months left of the year, so that yeah, resolution yeah, can, can still happen. You can just roll it, it over. You know, yeah, it, it, exactly. And then next year, be like, I want to do a Kotlin yeah, exactly. application, and yeah. we can just see where we go from there. <laughs> right, chaps, I'm just conscious of the time. Is there anything else that we would like to discuss? We've still got another five minutes. If not, we can call it a day. Take it by the silence. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. I can see you all sitting yeah, there going, just thinking. Mm, yeah. what can we talk about? But no, chaps, I really do appreciate it. Thomas, Robert, Daniel, thank you so much for the insights that, you, that you've given me and, and the listeners into React Native. I know people always say that, oh, I don't think I'll go cross-platform, but these sort of podcasts gives people a bit more insight to know what is actually going on with cross-platform and the benefits of it as well. So I really do appreciate you taking out your time of your day and um, actually participating in the podcast. Thank you very much.